Hey there, Mark. What's happening, bud? Hey, Johnny. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself, bud? Well, all right. I don't want to bitch. I, I never want to start this off bitching, but I kind of got to complain. Not even complain. Okay. Hey, l- let me start this over. I'm not bitching. Don't get me wrong. I all think right. that I, I've gone, you know, 33 years in this world and never really been much for... I don't know. I believe there's a higher order to things, but I'm not big on religion, right? Okay, yeah. And I, so like, along that line or to that end, I don't know if you've seen a picture of me lately, but my hair is like down past my shoulders. It's, it's pretty, it's glorious. I've said before, I'm essentially the bulldozer, like in high school. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out because I haven't seen a recent picture. Oh, well, I'll, I'll send you some gym pics or something, buddy. Pixar didn't happen. But like, <laughs> So I have this long, curly hair, and I kind of, I take, I want to say I take really solid care of it, you know? I, I buy the higher-end shampoo, I buy the coconut oil conditioner to give it that extra kinky curliness. Okay. But it's gotten to the point now where it's so long, if I don't fucking, like, if I don't, if I don't actively dry it, it's wet for hours. So I started, I had to go buy a blow dryer. And Johnny, I swear to God, every time I use my blow dryer, all I hear is, do you believe? Do you believe? And in my head, all I can say is, I believe. I believe. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe. Oh. Oh, I love it. There's a little Tenacious D reference for all you guys. Welcome to Dangle Podcast. Uh, welcome to Dangle Podcast, the weekly King of the Hill podcast for I, Mark, and my good buddy. Johnny? We take two episodes of the beloved adult animation classic, King of the Hill, and we see if it holds up, and we talk about its high points and its low points, and we slap with our patented rating system, and we see if we still believe in King of the Hill. And uh, I believe. I believe. <laughs> I believe in King of the Hill. Um, we, ought to, <laughs> we ought to just jump into it, right, buddy? I would definitely agree. Um, so we're starting to round out. We're almost at the end of season three here. We're on episode 57, Death and Texas. Uh, uh, a delicious little pun on death and taxes being the only things you can count on. Uh, we have an original air date of April 27th, 1999. Writers John Altshuler, Dave Krinsky. We've seen lots of good stuff from these guys already. Um, some fan favorites, Three Days of the Condo, uh, Life in the Fast Lane, Bobby Saga, and Love Hurts and So Does Art. We just talked about that one. Uh, and then our cast of characters is actually pretty small for this episode because it's a very Peggy-centric episode. So we have mm-hmm. Hank, Peggy, and Bobby Hill, Lou Ann Platter, Dale, Gribble, Boom Hauer, Bill Dotrieve. We have the debuts of Wesley Martin Archer and his uh, very pregnant, very gross trailer trashy wife, Jeanette. Or well, we'll just say baby mommy. I don't even know if they're married. Uh, and then Unnamed Man Cameo, voiced by Glenn L. Lucas. And I have to imagine that that is the prison warden, because he doesn't have a credit here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Mark, you ready for my synopsis here? I am ready for your synopsis, buddy. Excellent. Uh, Peggy receives a letter from a former student who has found himself on death row. When Peggy tries to reach out and teach him, she naively becomes a prison drug mule. She finally mule Peggy Hill. (laughs) She mule. She mule, Mark. (laughs) Um, 
So just to kind of kick <laughs> kind of kick this off here, like I said it's a very Peggy centric story here. We have uh, Peggy, Hank, and Wesley as our A story. Our B story is is Dale kind of like it's there. It's really more of a subplot A because it ties into the A like all the damn time. Did you get weird like pregnant pause Dale vibes from this? Where like we where they needed to have Dale in the episode. And so they I, did it this yeah. way. Honestly, I if you take Dale out of this episode, it is almost a charcoal for me. I think. But at the same time, if you take Dale out of this episode, you lose zero things. Yeah. Yeah, he's I'm, in he's in like, there just as like as fun fluff. Literally, and that's all it is, is he's just like fluff. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Mark, but, you got some notes for me? I got a I got a surprising number of notes for you. I'm also well, trying this new roll. thing. I'm, I'm doing this new thing, Johnny, right? Okay. Where I went out and bought a goddamn notebook so that maybe, just maybe, I can read my fucking writing for a change. <laughs> I love it, buddy. <laughs> so number one, Johnny, who wants ice cream? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love Bobby with his little credit card. That was hilarious and it made me giggle. Um, it's, and of course, Johnny, Hank immediately takes it from him. Yeah, which, good for Hank. And also, did you ever get credit cards in the mail when you were a kid? No, I think they stopped that once once they realized that people like Bobby, or influences like Bobby Hill and Bart Simpson showed you could actually dupe a credit card company and get into serious trouble with it. Yeah, but you're a kid. You can't be prosecuted. <laughs> Pretty much. No, that doesn't exist. I'm a, I'm a dumb kid. You're the one that li- listened to me when I said, yeah, I'm old enough to have this and I'm responsible for it. <laughs> My brain is not fully developed. Get fucked. Um, <laughs> Basically. So I noticed this episode, and I will point these out as we go along a little bit more, but this episode is very, very Easter eggy. And I don't know if you caught this, but I sure as hell caught it. Number okay. one, um, what is the name of our convict, Johnny? Uh, Wesley Martin Archer. Yeah. Do you offhand know the name of our supervising director? Johnny, I, I'm gonna take a stab and uh, uh, stab. You see what I did there? Stab uh-huh. and say <laughs> Wes Archer. It's Wes Archer. That is the name of our convict. Yep. I thought that was great. And then when Dale signs uh, gets on the list to be the uh, executioner, d- there is a name also of one of our writers. John Altshuler is on the docket to murder a man in Texas. I saw it's that dumb little shit like this that absolutely makes me a giddy fanboy. Like, now, did you notice the other name on that list next to Altshuler's, by the way? I don't think I did. I was so horned up for Altshuler that that's where I paused it. But No, that's that's okay. So the other name on there, and I don't know how much of a fan you are of Stanley Kubrick films or weird, weird books from the 60s, 70s era, but Alex DeLarge is on there as uh, as one of the executioners as well. Oh, shit. He's the main, no way. Yeah, the main character from Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I did not catch that one, no. Yep. And you know the answer to that question. You know A Clockwork Orange is one of my favorite movies. But you can't, <laughs> I, I do. I can't but tell they, that to people as a self-proclaimed genius, because holy shit. <laughs> you really can't. It's not, a, it's not a movie you really should like. It's like telling people, oh, I love Fight Club. Well, it's okay to like Fight Club, but don't love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, enjoy it for what it is, but alex delarge is not a hero do not look up to alex delarge it's all right like <laughs> exactly no i also felt that this uh, episode though n- n- now that we divert um was very easter eggy because i definitely wrote that down as well 
Yeah. I I wonder why. Like, is this episode 50 for us? This is 57. 50, so it's not anything special. Like, I mean, we're, we're really close. Like, we are, we are three episodes now from the se- season finale. Okay. So maybe it was just a, hey, you know, we haven't had a fun Easter egg episode for a while where we tie in a bunch of shit that we've already looked at for the last three seasons. Let's see what we can throw in here. Yeah. Um, I will argue, by the way, that the not the next one, the two two episodes from now, take me out of the ball game is even more Easter eggy, and when we get there, I'll 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 see if you understand or see if you you agree with me there. Cool, I'm into it. Um, anyway, sorry, back back to the point. Um, Dale's weird. That was a note that I felt warranted sharing. Um, <laughs> that Dale is super- weird. Yeah, the Dale is just weird in this episode. Like, Dale gets really weird. Dale is very excited to kill a human, and, like, it's just weird. I don't... That could almost be a con for me, but he's also kind of funny, so it's fine. Well, um, it's it's the big leagues, man. He's going to the show. I guess. I don't know. Um, Baby in the egg picture. I wrote about a baby in the egg picture <laughs> that I don't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? I do, because it's the only thing I had in my retro rage. Okay. So Are you mad at Hank, Gettys? I so it's just no, I'm not mad at her, but I don't think I have I don't think nearly as many people know who she was now as they did when you and I were about 8 years old and that that coffee table book was literally everywhere. Okay, good enough. Yeah, Is that no, what that I, was I, was like they were doing an Ann Gettys. I want to say so because uh, I'm watching this with my wife and she goes why would Peggy just grab a, a picture of Bobby off of the, the refrigerator and just crumble it up and throw it away? That's not very cool. And I went, she wouldn't do that to a picture of Bobby. The only other thing I can think of is it's a dumb baby in a freaking flower costume like Ann Gettys. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, apparently there's a baby and an egg and finally, holy shit, that is so much cocaine. Like, yes almost makes it a con for this episode now that i say it out loud in terms of like believability i have never done cocaine i have tried to make a point to like not be around people that did it but like i was around it in college and realized the people that were doing it were not people i wanted to be around because they're kind of dickheads but yeah even they did not go through that much cocaine in a matter of like weeks maybe but an hourglass the only thing I can think of, and Peggy makes note of it a little bit later, is that he's got to be dealing it to other people too. I guess, and that's and that's where I am too. But because you're right, like he like, he would go straight up Pulp Fiction if he tried to snort that whole damn thing. Yeah. I just I don't know. Whatever. I that was a note yeah. I had, and finally, as like a general note, man, Wes's voice actor. I don't know who he is, but he kills it in this episode. Like. Just, I don't know who it is either. I'm gonna see if they have uh, have it credited for somebody. Yeah, because I didn't see a I didn't see a um, guest star or anything in the credits because I like watched the credits. For <gasps> oh, this one, but, okay. Oh. So it's it's a it's a regular. It's yeah. Toby Huss. Oh my god! Once again, Toby Huss getting a blue flame of valor. Like yeah, oh. bro, you get the Emmy. You get the Emmy today. Holy shit! Yeah, he does. Like, I think we've given it to him a couple of times this season. Like, this is really his season to shine. This is a very, yeah, this is an excellent Toby Huss season, yeah. Uh, how about you? You got any You got any weird notes, buddy? 
Uh, so I, I definitely saw that John Altshuler was on that list as well as Alex DeLarge. I did not catch uh, the Wesley Martin Archer bit until you showed me, though, which is kind of awesome. I like that there's new things about this show that I've seen a million times that I'm still kind of catching on to. Yeah. Um, I wrote a note here, and maybe you can help me backtrack. I, I know it's relatively early in the episode. Bobby is okay. back to smelling things. He smells the letter and says it smells like the letters that Luann's mom used to send yes. him, but even more prisony. Yes. Okay. So I, I just thought that was kind of strange. Like, Bobby, why are you smelling the mail? Bobby is a very olfactory-based person. He smells the mail. He really mail. is. He smells the trash. He smells the queen. Maybe that's why King of the Ant Hill was even allowed to occur was because of Bobby's, like, Wolverine-esque nose, you know? <laughs> Either that or he's just a kid on the spectrum that likes to sniff things. I, there's no way Bobby's on the spectrum. <laughs> no? He, dude, take it from somebody who also has a Wolverine-esque sense of smell, and I know that you remember this shit, but, like, yeah. nah, man, you smell everything. I smell every damn thing. Like, all the time, always. All I do is smell shit. <laughs> Um, and then the other note that I've got in here, and it's kind of one, I'm almost metagaming this a little bit. Okay. And you're, you're going to understand it because you've watched this show enough and you know how often it, it comes up after it's introduced. Um, Peggy's going through books that she wants to bring to Wesley Martin Archer and she ends yes. up giving him one called what color is your rainbow? Now we've never seen that book before. Have we Mark? I know that. What is, what color is your rainbow? Why does, Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's like a self-help book. The only way that I can think of to that we could kind of associate it with the King of the Hill universe is if Hank got it from the guy in uh, How to Fire a Rifle Without Really Trying. Oh, um, from Dr. Wallace Shawn's character. Yeah, Dr. Oh, I can't think of his name. I want to say Van Eyes, and I'm like, that's not it at all. That is not it. But <laughs> So that's the only place I can think of that they would get it, but it's never explained. However, two episodes, or not two episodes, two seasons from now, what book would that be, Mark? What book do they use to death for the rest of the series after it's introduced? A Dinner with Onions? A Dinner with Onions. <laughs> so I just put it in there. I was like, you know, it's interesting to me that because it's an early season, we're not. that's not what Peggy is grabbing. And yet ev after that book is introduced, I swear it comes up like six other times. Okay. It becomes so their, weird. like, their blinky. It just in the background. Oh, hey, look, they're doing the book again. So I looked up what color is your rainbow. Okay. And number one, it could not exist in the King of the Hill universe because this came out in 2009. Okay. So it's juvenile fiction, 24 pages by a woman named Jody Hooten Chavez. And apparently okay. it's just about how us being different colors makes the world a better place. Interesting. See, I always yeah. took this. Have you ever have you ever taken a color test for your work, where they tell oh, you what? what kind of people, like a color test for your job, where they tell you you're this color and this is the the type of things that you usually do in your workplace, and and you interact okay. really well with these colors, but not with the others. Have you ever taken anything like that? I don't think so. No. So I, I had to take one back when I worked uh, my public works job, and they told me I was a yellow, and okay. yellow is classified by people that they really like to work in groups. They really like to work in groups where they can be social. They're very team-oriented, and they kind of go with the flow. You know, They're not quite so worried about a schedule. They're definitely more lax. Now, Mark, if that doesn't strike me like as 
exactly like me to a T. I don't know what Spot the hell on, does. Yeah. Social it's as pretty, hell. You could make a friend in, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty yeah. spot on. Now, absolutely. my boss that I absolutely despised was a red. Right. He was a color red, which is very much like, okay, um, everything has to be done exactly how I say it. I'm the one that controls all of the power in this entire relationship. And if you're going to come and talk to me about anything, you better have already known what you're going to say and not waste my freaking time. Like it better come out of your mouth in 30 seconds and you better already have a solution. And it was this guy to a T. Yeah, it sucked. It was not fun working for him. You, you feel like you're just living on edge the entire time. Um, yeah. So that's, honestly, I know that these these color tests for people in their jobs have been around for a long time. I'm thinking this may be what it's referencing. Okay. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Right. Um, I'm going to jump into pros if you're cool with that, man. Yeah, dude, do it up, buddy. Um... I, I find it hilarious that Hank Hank finds Peggy hot in literally whatever she's wearing. <laughs> I think that's so sweet. Yeah. I, I really do. Because she gets into the car and he says, you're going into a prison where m- most of these men haven't seen a woman since the last one they killed. Yeah. And, and he's like, do you have to go decked out like some sort of disco dancer? And she's wearing a pantsuit and not a very flattering one. <laughs> not, not even a little bit. But that's but also Hank, really funny because you hit one of my pros right there with Disco Dancer. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> now, honestly, to Hank and probably to Bill, yeah, she's hot as shit in that. But, like, no, nobody else is going to find Peggy hot. I'm pretty sure it's a writing rule. You don't drop Peggy hot. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> um, no, they, they, no, they, no, they shirked that rule. Johnny, we have been, we have seen... We've gazed as two suppliants before the altar of Sundress Peggy. Like, no, it's not. We have. We, we have. Um, so Dale makes a comment a little bit after that scene about how, you know, you can't let a woman run over everything because sooner or later she's going to start doing things like taking away your allowance. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because uh, if you pay attention to that scene – Dale is smoking a refry cigarette, which is insanely small because he can't afford to buy more cigarettes. He got his allowance cut. Oh, oh, because I, I stopped and I was oh, like, OK, shit. why in the world is Dale smoking like the smallest cigarette that he eventually inhales? So my very first con is Dale cigarette swallow. Why? Yeah. There it, goddamn. Right on, dude. There it is. I See. OK. Yeah. Right there. This is why we're here, Johnny. Holy shit. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> we're pulling, we're peeling back the layers. King of the Hill offers these kind of layers, uh, and not a lot of other shows do, especially around this time. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you get those kind of okay. side gags with like, with like, um, Simpsons every now and then, but that's it, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it, most of the time it's a sight gag. Yeah. But. Oh yeah, no. I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic that it just it tracks so well that he's smoking this refry cigarette that probably tastes like garbage. Refries always do. Um, Peggy is surprisingly cavalier about somebody getting garroted in prison. Yeah. Okay. And I find that a pro because Peggy is very much like, nope, nothing's gonna scare me. I'm a woman's woman. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Dale is walking through the pink and white and he's grabbing rubber gloves and a bunch of other shit. Do you notice what he's humming? Oh, uh, it's, um, not, not Jefferson's, uh, Sanford and Son, isn't it? 
It is. He's humming the Sanford and Son theme. Once I noticed again, that too. Yeah. Once again, following back, like this is, it's very Easter eggy. This entire episode is because like, God, it wasn't too long ago that he was just sitting in his underwear watching Sanford and Son. I swear we see that like once a season almost. So, um, oh shit. Now I can't think of it offhand, but yeah, season one, he does it and something hits his roof and he panics. Yes. Or no, it um, it's the one. Halloween episode. Yeah. Yeah, so Halloween episode because, he does it. And yeah, then because they he, they throw the eggs onto his roof. Yeah, and then um during pregnant pause, um the guy that he is trying to bring in, they sit there and watch Sanford and Son together. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so my biggest pro for this episode, it's the last one I got in here, is that Peggy has been so well established at this point that her walking into a prison being naive enough to believe that she has actually like taught this guy wanting to stick around because that's Peggy's nature is wanting to to teach like that's very well been, been very well established and then being so naive as to smuggle him in drugs because she has a love of boggle if you had not set up like nine different steps in this episode this it would make no sense but right. watching this it is absolutely believable that Peggy would do this. Yeah. And it sounds so ridiculous to me that, okay, how how do you make an episode about a substitute Spanish teacher for a middle school smuggling in drugs to a to an inmate on death row? And they made it believable. Like that is ridiculous. But that's the best part is like it's so it's not believable. No part of this makes sense. But then every single part of this episode makes sense within the context. Like, yes, we've, we've, we've talked a lot before. I mean, pilot episode, we talked about how King of the Hill writes shows or writes episodes that aren't, that shouldn't be funny, you know, but like, oh, like absolutely. Hank getting his boy taken away because the state thinks he's beating him is not a funny thing, but God damn it. That's a funny episode. When we said that before and just with this, yeah. this episode has some great beats and it's Peggy smuggling drugs into a maximum security prison. Like, God damn, it's good. <laughs> it's so it really, good. Like when you, when you say it out loud, it sounds like a bad improv sketch. It really does. Holy shit. Yeah, it does. Like it really does. And some of the best King of the Hill episodes are bad improv sketches. The pilot is one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. But so those are the pros I got, man. What do you what do you got? Oh, right on. Um he's in prison, Peggy. <laughs> when she says, I wonder if I or I, I wonder if I uh, impacted his life or whatever, and Hank's just like, he's in prison. Like mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Um I have you joke your way through life. It'd be a comedy of errors if it was not so tragic. <laughs> oh, Boomhauer, when he's <laughs> when he's all mad at Boomhauer or whatever. Are you just going to joke your way through life? That was the... Yep. Um, uh, Peggy's mustache rip. I assume I must, it's got to be Peggy when she, she's got a... When she's doing the, like, uh, waxing deal mm-hmm. and she rips it off and she makes that face. God, I love that animation frame. Mm. It, the, the blackhead pore thing on her nose. That's what it is. Not mustache. Yeah. I, I guess I haven't been 16 in a long time. And I also haven't not <laughs> had facial hair to cover up all my imperfections in like 10 years. So, um, there you go. <laughs> I wanted to make a joke about this, but I didn't want you and I to devolve into talking about porn stars. 
So oh, no. Here's my question to you, Johnny, and your answer has to be either Jada Fire or Cytheria. But hey. Oh, no. Who's old Squirty? It, it's old. Well, the, the question is, uh, it, it, this is Jeopardy, Final Jeopardy, uh, Jada Fire or Asa Akira? Uh, Asa Akira. No, you got to say, what is old Squirty? What is old Squirty? Okay. Get it? Yep. Get yep. it? There it was a Jeopardy. Never mind. See, that's why I didn't make the joke, because it's bad. And I'm going <laughs> to cut all that out, but I'll probably leave all of it in. That's good, because I don't... <laughs> I don't want I don't want our, our listeners knowing my my porn proclivities. Oh, we came up with a very special time. And anyway, no, I laugh my ass off at old Squirty. Like, give me old, uh, give me hook me up to old Sparky. Old you know, Sparky. We, we retired that a long time ago. Now it's lethal injection. Fine, old Squirty. Whatever. I love that. That was a great little right? bit out of Dale. Um, once again, Pro Wes's voice actor was great. I wrote that twice, apparently. Um. I want you to take super note of this line, Johnny, because I didn't do it on purpose, but Wes plays Peggy like a fiddle. Uh, murderers are just bullies. Yeah. Yeah, they fucking <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah, they fucking are. Right on. Okay, way to go. Like, good pep talk there. Um, the whack-a-mole scene. Holy shit, that is a very raw little scene right there in the arcade when they're all just, like, hitting the moles and, like, Bobby's kind of having fun and Hank and Peggy's like, oh, my life is over. Like, that's it. It's a great scene. Oh, yeah. Um, and finally, uh, but I apologize for those people that I killed. Yeah, get get fucked. You're a bad person. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. Have you ever decapitated somebody? Have you ever caused somebody's head to come off? Um, Not off the top of my head. Oh, ha! No, I, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right how about you buddy what do you got for me um so i'm gonna jump into my cons here i've got yeah. a couple um so my big my first one here i'm not gonna say it's my biggest one my first one here is wesley states late in the episode i you know i have no idea who you are i went through every teacher in the arlen yearbook and you're the only one that came back and actually said something to me. Um, however, the second he meets her, he knows that he should be greeting her in Spanish. He says, hola, Senora Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, Peggy is a substitute teacher, not just a substitute Spanish teacher, but she, she deals in everything. We know that. Why in the world would she be in the Arlen yearbook as anything other than just substitute? And how in the hell would he know? To greet her in Spanish. I had a note very similar to that of why is a sub in the yearbook? But yeah, that's that a too. Holy shit, dude. That's like, damn. That right there is like a really big nail in this coffin. It, it is. It is. And like, I, I get it. You know, I get nitpicky and maybe it's because I have watched these episodes so many damn times, but... Like, I'm st I start to notice little tiny things. Like, yeah, you, you really shouldn't have known that she was a Spanish teacher. I know canonically that you had no idea who she was because you're a piece of shit. Um, I'm sorry, there's no way in any sort of, like, crackerjack, hippieville, broke-ass granola prison that anyone is going to be able to sneak in a Sawzall in any way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, okay, I, I can kind of believe the coke... I could probably believe the the porn. Like, eventually she's going to be able to get that in. He wants a Milwaukee Sawzall? Nope, not going to happen. 
I think it's you make demands. You got somebody over a barrel, you're in a position of power, you make those demands. It's true. See, I don't know. If I were in Wes's position, I wouldn't ask for anything that's going to get her stuck because the second he loses his cash cow, all of that is gone. Like, he's still in prison. That's not really going to matter to him. The What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to throw him in the hole for a little while? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if he's on goddamn death row? Like, he's on exactly. goddamn death row in Texas. This man is going to die. Have fun with it. Go, go, bro- exactly. go, go shoot for the moon, man. Go for broke. Get you some ayahuasca. Get Peggy to bring you ayahuasca into prison. <laughs> I don't know, though, because it's like, all right, the, the, if you can be subtle about it, then you get to actually enjoy the last six months to a year of your life by just constantly getting all coked up. Hell if she yeah, gets yeah. caught, you lose that gravy train. I guess, I guess, but... But I, I do like your argument of, hey, why the hell not shoot for the moon? Well, I'm also... <laughs> I don't know how prisons work. I've never been to prison. But, like, why would a death row inmate get visitation rights? Especially from, like, some rando. I don't know. I have no idea what the rules are around that. I know we've got a supermax that at one point housed El Chapo that's in between the two of us. But, like, I don't know. I have no idea if he could get visitors. Ted Kaczynski's up in Canyon City. Yeah, that's, that's where El Chapo was. Yep. Yeah. Shit's crazy. Um... So, and then the last one I've got here is, it's a personal gripe that I have for this, and it actually, it affected my score for the end of this, um, is that the ending is really good. Yeah. And that's a con to me, because it's, it's it, because it's so good, it's memorable. I can remember and recall the very first time I watched this episode and what the ending was because of the twist. And ever since then, this episode, every time I watch it, gets less and less and less, like, watchable, because I know it's coming. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. You know, it's a really fun bait and switch the first time you watch it, but because it's so fun, it like it's really hard to ever forget that. I'm a total But you can't cross the same river twice. Exactly. I'm a total dummy, man. Like in most stuff, I will completely forget. You know, I couldn't tell you what the end plot is for like half the freaking books that I've read in my life because I read them a long time ago or shit, even 2 years ago. And I, I know them well enough. I enjoyed them at the time, but I have now since replaced them with other stupid, tiny, like, details and minutia. Probably King of the Hill crap. Now, that being said, with this, like, it's something I've just never forgotten. It's one of those core memories. So not to get, not to get shitty. Not to get shitty. But no. I want to get shitty. How many times have you watched Who Shot Mr. Burns? And has that diminished for you? Um, it has or, diminished, and it's been less and less. That's actually episodes I skip in The Simpsons now. No shit, because I watch yeah. those episodes and love them. I love every moment. Okay. Of and, like, yeah, it's not a big mystery, but, like, I was, like, four or five when they did that, so it didn't matter. To, I remember it vaguely, but okay. But then well, also, pursuant to that, like, I have watched the same episodes of Futurama with you on several occasions, and every yes. single time, you and I will tear up at similar moments. Yeah. And does that do it for you? And are you more willing to forgive Futurama because, like, 99.9% of the episodes are good? Or are you mad at King of the Hill because they spoil the ending and it's not good enough to show it twice? Do you know what I mean? I I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's something about, like... Uh... Let me let me reframe this a different way because okay. I like your argument about um, who shot Mr. Burns. Now my counter argument to that is that was an event, like that is something that was literally like they had phone contests and shit to guess who it was. 
However, if I'm going to take it down a similar vein and we're going to go the Simpsons route and I ask you about the Freddie Quimby episode and the giant uh, marshmallow square. Yeah. That one has got a twist ending where you find out that, yeah, Freddie Quimby didn't actually do anything and Bart saw it. And now you know exactly how it happens. Uh, there is some clumsy Cluso-esque waiter that just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And he fell into a giant like pot of stuff. Yeah. Just got the shit kicked out of him. So to me, that episode also is less watchable. Now, I love the, uh, uh, oh, God, what is it? The Westworld throwbacks to that, where, the, where Skinner's just walking through things. Yeah. However, yeah, I don't know. Um, if I'm if I'm going to put it into a different zeitgeist or a different media format here, how often do you go back and rewatch things like The Sixth Sense or Signs? I like to fast forward to the Mexican found footage scene in Signs because it gives me the goddamn <laughs> boo-boo jeebies every time. But no, to your right. point, I, I don't. I No, yeah, I watched Sixth Sense in 2000, and never, my mom rented the tape and then got super mad at me for watching it, and it was hilarious. But, like, yeah, and then we, like, talked about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I saw that shit coming. No one else noticed him. But, yeah, no, I I understand your point. I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch every now and then, but it's definitely, it loses its luster and appeal. Um, as much as I love uh, movies and, and TV shows that do that, that have a really good, zinger at the end they're not really all that rewatchable and to me that's that's why this is a con here Kevin the ending Spacey is too is damn good Kaiser Soze. yeah yeah like okay. this ending is too good and because it's too good it's too memorable okay fair enough um how about your cons man i feel like we definitely went down a rabbit hole with that no not at all that no i love i love your cons your cons are good they are i hear you and your cons and I am willing you. to appreciate them. I don't know. Um, number <laughs> one, you already you already crushed it, but I, I feel like it bears repeating. Dale's cigarette swallow. Why? Never mind. We're knocking that off. Once again, why the hell would Peggy be in a yearbook? Never mind. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I I laughed at Peggy's breakdown. I wrote that as a con because I remember her losing her shit, and I was like laughing hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> um. In the arcade, they have a video game called Road Rage, and it is literally a, like, it's nothing. It's not anything at all. It's, like, some shitty, like, game cabinet, but there's no face to it. It kind of, like, the top part arcs at a 45-degree angle, whatever, like, a video game cabinet should, but it's just a strip of road, and it's dumb, and it pisses me off, and I don't know why. Um, it's because they don't care like the Simpsons writers do about their video games. You but can tell that when they it, tried you to put, do... you put John Outshuler and Alex DeLarge and Wes Anderson as Easter eggs in this bullshit, but you can't give me a video game cabinet. Piss on you. We got Chuck Norris's head kick, and you can't give me yeah. a, like anything better for Road Rage. I don't. I want to choke him. I don't know. It's um, hey, they tried to do a Lara Croft ripoff in this one, and Lara Croft is not an arcade game. Very true. <laughs> very very true. Yeah. Um, and finally, um, and I, I wrote this con with you in mind. Hank is really ghoulish in this episode. Hank is all gung ho yes. for them to go kill everybody. I'm just like, God damn, Hank, take it easy. I don't personally yeah. believe the state should execute anybody. I believe the people convicted, like without, you know, you know, dead to rights, medical testing. That's all you can do to them. But like, don't kill them. You know, use them <laughs> medical for testing. For, I like why. That. Why would you waste so much money in taxpayer dollars when you could be testing medicines on them and maybe this child rapist is the one that we cure, you know, cancer with? And that'd just be grand. But hey, whatever. Hey, because that is cruel and unusual punishment. 
Well, so is molesting children, and that's not the point. But if you're going to die, you're going to die. You're going to die in prison under medical testing. That's my point. And also, yeah. follow-up to that, I really appreciate the Japanese model of you don't know when it's going to be. They throw you in a hole, and one day they rip you out and kill you. And I think that's dope as shit. But that's that's just me. Like, if we're going <laughs> to do it, let's let's really, really do it, goddammit. Because, like, Timothy McVeigh sat on death row for a long time, and that dude was dead to rights. Yeah, almost makes me just like the Russian idea of now nah, you take my back and plug him in the head. But whatever. That's here's me being ghoulish. But sidebar to that, Hank is ghoulish and con for me and con for Hank. And I apologize to Johnny and the listeners. No, that's cool. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I'm very anti-death penalty. I don't yeah. believe there's really any instance that it, it that it should exist. I don't think any human should ever take the life of another human. I think you know what? Cool. You get convicted, you're, you're James Holmes, and you're actually in your right mind, and you get convicted of killing 13 people in a theater somewhere. You know, okay, you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison, you're going to get three meals, you're going to get half an hour to work out somewhere, and you're going to get books to read. You don't get anything else. No books. Don't give them books. They don't get to read, and they get one meal a no. day. Fuck them. No, I mean, he can... No, they're no, like, you they're treat permanent them. juice clans. Like, no. <laughs> oh, God. No, you have to treat humans like humans, but you don't have to give them luxuries. You don't get paper. You don't get, uh, like, outlets to be creative. You can have books to read, but you don't get TV, and you don't get other other interaction with other inmates. Mm, I don't know. Like, Honor's brother did a hunger strike, and then they released him because Sweden doesn't execute, and it's like, I don't... It's a slippery slope. For the slope. record, it's a slippery ABB slope. is not Swedish, he's Norwegian, and he's still in jail. I am sorry, I mixed up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Anders Bering Breivik, is, he's actually just made the news because he thinks that he needs to be released now before his 21 years is up. And it's like, dude, you went on a hunger strike so you could get a PlayStation in your cell and it worked. Shut I am 90% sure that Anders Breivik is still posting on Twitter, but whatever. My oh, point he probably is, is, like, in cases of dead to right shit, nah, throw him in a concrete square. And I whatever like I, I, hey to each their own this is not the point this is not the time nor the place to talk about this and i apologize but god damn it hank is ghoulish that's my con like no like well and for the record mark this is a very good place to talk about death row we're not going to get a chance to, to talk about it on this podcast ever again very true because i don't think true. she talks to any other death row inmates <laughs> god what if she did oh god but no like uh, honestly, if you, you believe what you want to, um, I've, I've had a lot of people look at me with my, that ar- my argument and say, well, you don't have a family, you don't have kids. If somebody ever mess with them, I think you change your mind. And you know what? They're, they may be right. No, I don't buy that I, either because it shouldn't be made personal to you. I believe that like, if you're going to look at like the extermination or the ending of human life as some heinous act, then it's every single like taking of a life is a heinous act. Hell, maybe we ought to have like death row inmates executing death row inmates, so it's like a weird kind of like net gain in, you know, karma. But like, in certain cases, like I don't believe like theft should be prosecuted by death. I don't think treason is prosecuted by death. But like, those real pieces of shit, like your John Wayne Gacy's, yeah, absolutely, you execute them. You okay. make a fucking deal out of it, like. Uh, Ted Bundy, you know, like Ted Bundy, they shot fireworks when he was executed and yeah, that's ghoulish, but like that dude was a piece of shit. And it, for that, like you, I don't believe you ought to keep these people alive because also to some end, like these people are dangerous. Like, um, Charles Manson was not executed. He died with life in prison. And like, I don't, yeah. I don't really blame Charles Manson for anything that he did. I think he was a victim of like, yes, anding himself into the hole, but like. 
he also got to live to be like 80 years old or whatever on essentially the like the 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 California taxpayers dime and yeah I don't I don't believe in that but at the same time like I also don't believe that like prisons should necessarily exist in the capacity we have them now like it's the reinstitution oh, yeah. of like slavery and that's this is a whole other like thing but I believe like <laughs> all, my my point is in very specific cases nah shoot him in the goddamn head and call it good like okay you know what I mean like they strung Mussolini up in the streets and that is an okay thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 they, they hung the Nazis at the Nuremberg trials and they gave it to a guy who had failed as a Texas executioner on several occasions. Cause he couldn't hang him. Right. And they said, no, no, you get this guy. They looked at the guy's file and said, no, no, get him. He's going to fuck it up. You get him to kill these Nazis. That's fine. Do it. It's fine. It's all right. No, <laughs> No problem. No, no skin off my back. Hell, do you need ten bucks for it? Let me, let me kick to the Nazi murder Kickstarter. Like, let's do this. But that's whatever. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm done talking. No, you're good. Uh, this is a good way to transition into favorite moments. I'll give you a second to to breathe. Um, <sighs> Wingo, man. So you you already nailed one of them. Old Squirty is on there. <laughs> awesome. Um, I've also got Stab Scotch because I think that is a fantastic name like it's it's too good of a name for peggy to come up with for the yeah. the, the knife game you play in between your fingers <laughs> which what do like you it, call it, that because i call it five finger fillet but yeah i i've never heard the name for oh we don't got a name for that uh stab scotch just fits so well Stabs, um yeah. and then bobby's line of hey mom this is all slappy and no joke <laughs> i i love it i forgot to put in the meat <laughs> Um, those are my favorite moments from the episode, man. How about you? Um, well, number one, Johnny, I feel like you're neglecting me in this episode, but maybe if I murder someone, we can get your mom's attention. (laughs) And I don't feel like you neglected me, but I wanted to set it up that way. Um, Mm -hmm. same as you all sloppy and no Joe. That is a great line. Bobby has a lot of weirdly solid moments in this episode. And I love, at first I was kind of like, what are we overplaying Bobby? But, I really think they made a choice to make Bobby like that kid that you want to love in this because you're going to see how much Peggy's going to lose if she goes away. And I, I like that. Yes. This yeah. is not the same Bobby that we bitch about like a, a season ago that's just smelling the trash for no reason. There is a yeah. reason that Bobby is so lovable in this. Yeah. Um, It is a terrific plan. We gave up two perfectly good plans for this plan. <laughs> oh, that's such a Hank answer. It is, but it's... But it's not because Hank's not a liar. Hank doesn't have any other plans. Like, literally, his best thing is it's your word against his, Peggy, which is just, I guess, ultra lying, but whatever. And finally, um, Peggy, he said it was primo and then breaks into tears. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it so much. Um, it's Her naivety is just amazing. Do you even think it's naivete? I feel like... I feel like this is like the perfectly tailored Peggy episode for this. Cause like, if she's going to, if anybody's going to fall for something this dumb, if we're like, yes, ending this, like, dude, she, it's, it, this is like the perfect Peggy episode in oh, yeah. all the worst ways, you know? Oh yeah. It's this, this, this episode is very um, dependent on knowing Peggy though. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm like, this isn't any, this isn't like a Bobby slam or like Peggy's like sticking to her guns and morals. Peggy is finally getting, I, hmm, I think that this episode is a chess game. This is one of the final 
episodes, and it's a culminating of all things. There's tons of Easter eggs. There's tons of predication on knowing the like characters and their foibles and what they're going to do for any second of this to make sense. And I just realized okay. that here in the like zero hour of this episode. I'm sorry, but yeah. No, it's cool. Um, well, Mark, I think I'm about ready to give uh, the folks our patented rating system. What do you think? I think we are, buddy. Well, I'm going to give them our rundown here. So at the very bottom... We have our charcoal rating. This is an F rank, F rating, F grade of an episode. It's not really worth watching at all. It's honestly something you would never want to show anybody that's watching this show. After that, we've got our megalo tier. It's D ranked, bronze medal. There's a couple of good moments in here. Um, for a megalo episode, usually you get a couple of good lines, but there's no real good character development, and it's just kind of eh. This is an episode that you, you watch once and you probably won't go back to again or you may skip it. Depends on how drunk you are when you're watching. After that, we have our Butane. It's our C rank or silver medal episode. Butanes are usually pretty solid through and through. Uh, they've got some pretty good character moments. There's usually a memorable line or two. And you can go back to it and you go, okay, yeah, this is on. I can listen to this. And it, it plays usually while you're screwing around on your phone. After that is our Char King episodes. Those are... A rank. Um, they are our bread and butter episodes. So a Char King is an episode that that shows you everything that's good, grand, and great about King of the Hill. Um, they've got lots of really good, memorable moments, lots of good character development, and these are ones that you will actively search out and find on your own in the like out of order. You'll just go, ah, oh, I really, I really want to watch the firefighter episode today. I really want to go and watch the uh, the Louisiana episode today. Those are Char Kings. After that, we've got our Blue Flame of Valor. These are the top tier, absolute perfect episode of not just King of the Hill, but TV in general. These episodes encompass everything that this show is about, and they are very few and far between. Uh, so with that being said, Mark, what uh, what's the rating you give for this guy? Well, this is a weird one for me because... So when I saw this in the queue, I wasn't excited to see it. And then I watched it and really enjoyed it. In fact, it flipped me super hard. And in my initial rating, I gave it a Char King. But now in talking okay. to you, you have in fact flipped me a second time. So it's going to be okay. a butane for this episode. Interesting. Yeah, it has okay. some really solid moments. But like literally that first bit, of, just that very first bit of how the hell did he know to address her in Spanish? Just that, mm -hmm. just that one little thing. And then I kind of like felt my house, the cards like crumble around me. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. It's it a, is a there's fun nothing episode. really wrong with this episode. It's a fun episode. Yeah. But like, like my weird revelation that maybe I should have saved for this moment, but whatever. Nah, dude, this is like chess, like eight. This is like two seasons worth of, worth of chess. They're wrapping up with season three and like three more, three or four more episodes from here. And no part of this would make any sense. You'd have no context for any of this. Like, nah, this is a butane. It's an all right episode, but there's a lot of shit that is kind of glaring to me now. And yeah. But uh, how about okay. you, buddy? So before I write this, I'm going to ask you a question here. Yeah. Up to this point, have we had a better Peggy episode? Um, Like Peggy-centric episode. I'm going to say Bobby Slam, but... Okay. I'd even say okay. that this plays second fiddle to um, Peggy's Pageant Fever. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm just, just kind of curious because 
I I really like this as a Peggy centric episode. I don't usually like those unless they're Lupe's Revenge. This is um, a great Peggy episode. To be fair, I really like it as yeah. a Peggy. But like, like I said, it's just it, 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 from a context standpoint, you need. This is like Peggy Hill, you know, level 400 courses. You got to get through like your freshman and sophomore courses at Peggy Hill to get what this episode is and why it's good, you know? Yeah, to really dive in and see all the different jokes and stuff for sure. Um, I gave, so I gave Death and Taxes a butane as well. Um, my, My reasoning here is I said it's a solid episode that shows great character development for Peggy. Um, but the issue is, the biggest issue for me was that once you've seen it, the surprise is gone. So it's not really rewatchable. That's why it's a butane to me. It's okay. not a bad episode. It's just like like it loses its luster after that first time. You know, I really hope that we didn't ruin that surprise for everybody uh, in the process of this. Like if you're watching along with us and you've never watched King of the Hill, well, do yourself a favor. Watch this episode before you listen to this episode. But also point of order, if you are watching with us, let us know because I am very curious. But yeah. Yeah, I want I want to know if anybody else is taking their sweet ass time with us and watching it two episodes a week. It <laughs> actually cool. it actively hurts me that I look at my Hulu queue and I can't just watch ahead. Oh my god, I know that's bugging you, right? Like, it's really bugging me, man. <laughs> oh, I know it's bugging you too. It is okay. I, I wanted to watch it last night to fall asleep. I was like, you can't. You're not allowed to watch King of the Hill. <laughs> You can't watch King of the Hill, man. And then well, part of it was yeah, like, exactly. oh, well, I'll go back and watch them. I'm like, nah, you, you literally just watch this, so you don't want to... Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. You won't want to, and it'll put you in a bad mood if you do. <laughs> and I know you hate the later episodes. Otherwise, I'd tell you just to start in season 10. Yeah. That's going to keep me up all damn night. I got to work at 6 <laughs> in the morning, Johnny. What are you doing to me, man? Come on. There you go. All right, Mark. Well, with that being said, you want to move on to our next one? I do, buddy. Um, So our next episode, Mark, is 58, Wings of the Dope. Uh, Original air date, May 4th, 1999. Written by our very own Johnny Hardwick. And, Mark, how do we know Johnny Hardwick? Well, he's Dale. He is Dale. (laughs) Um, And then our cast of characters here is Hank, Peggy, and Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill Dotrieve, Con Min, and Connie Supanusapone. Miss Kremser makes uh, another appearance. Uh, Sharona Johnson has a cameo. And we have a final appearance of one Buckley. Now, he shows up in the wiki in like three episodes, and I could not find him. Really? Yes. he. It's, it's actually next episode. He is in the next episode as a cameo for Take Me Out of the Ball Game. And I have to imagine somebody thought they saw him in the background. And then just called him and put him in there. But I looked. I could cool. not find him. Interesting. Okay. Um, you want my synopsis here, bud? Do it up, buddy. Luann is visited by the ghost of her former boyfriend, Buckley, and through a religious experience, finally decides Beauty Academy is not the best fit for her. Yeah. Good enough. Excellent. Um, we really only have one A-story character here. It's Luann. Everybody else is tangential. This is, uh, uh-huh. our big Luann episode for the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's jump into some notes, man. What do you got? I don't have a ton of notes. Um, but okay. I do have, um, I do have a few. Apparently, I have the line. Oh, so Dale, when Hank has negotiated for the trampoline, Dale tells him, you played him like a fiddle. And... That was weird to me and stood out because I wrote in my notes for the last episode, 
that Wes played Peggy like a fiddle, and that made my head hurt a little bit when it happened. Yep. Which really isn't a note, but it was weird for me when it happened. Um, I think that Miss Kremser is justified. In watching this episode and everything else, I really think that Miss Kremser has not been a bitch. She's not been mean to Luann. She has seen people like Luann come in and out of Beauty Academy again and again and again, and they're not going to make it, and it reflects poorly on the Beauty Academy because they cannot, you know let this girl pass with her inability at literally everything she attempts. We see Luann sucking at Beauty Academy all the time. She's never been good except for when she braids Willie Nelson's hair, and that's it. And when she gave Hank a haircut. Has she done that yet? She did, because that's when Kremser, like actually backs off and was like, I forgot that this is all about repeat Oh, 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 girls. what a bitch, what a bitch. Sorry, I was thinking of when Jack went crazy. That's my fault, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. I thought no, you're right, like she really has like, sucked it up. Like, she's not good at this. She's not meant to be here. And I honestly kind of came around on, like, to Kremser's side. On the, and also, like, Sharona is apparently, like, the goddamn Stephen Hawking of Beauty Academy, but whatever. <laughs> it's not fair. She studies really hard. Yeah, that's obnoxious. Go Anything <laughs> worth do, anything worth having is effort, Luann. Get, get off of it. Um, I also you have the pretty, note pretty just track, as... Pretty, track? pretty, pretty, chuck, chuck. I'm good at only one thing, and it's getting... Don't make me hate Luann. You made me... I've, you've, turned, you've turned me around in Luann. Don't make me go back to hating Luann. Um, um, Hank is a dickhead in this episode, but I do not necessarily disagree with him. That was just a note that I had several times that I thought bared repeating. Um, and finally, hug your Aunt Peggy. I don't know why I wrote hug your Aunt Peggy, but apparently I did. How about you, buddy? Any notes? Um, so I got, I took note of the song that is playing. Life in a Northern Town by Dream Academy. Academy. That song has been on my goddamn number one playlist, Johnny, for the last five days since when I watched this episode. I cannot stop listening to that song. It's fantastic. Holy shit. I love that song. Um, and then the only other note I have here is you're, you're not going to laugh at this, but you are going to be like, of course you have to bring this up. But you know what? It's very fitting. Okay. Uh, this So this is ripped directly from the wiki. I did not write this. So if there is something wrong with it or inaccurate, uh, blame whoever edited the wiki. And it okay. wasn't me. Uh, so this episode premiered shortly after the Columbine High School shooting massacre. Shortly mm-hmm. after it aired, Mike Judge received a letter from a young woman who had been hiding in the school when it was going on and planned to tell a friend she was in love with how she felt if they had both made it out. But he turned out to be one of the perpetrators. She credited Wings of the Dope, especially Peggy's motivational speech to Luann about doing things on her own with enabling her to deal with her grief that she had been pressured to swallow and even quoted Luann in the letter wondering if the boy was guarding some other girl because he never knew how she felt. Holy shit. So, yeah. God damn. Wow. I I know we bring up Columbine an awful lot, but holy hell. But you know, it's the timeliness of this episode. Full circle, man. This is fantastic. I love that. That. Yeah. Damn, dude. Blue flame to you for the episode. (laughs) Toby Huff. I saw you. Well, hey, man, I I read that. And and it's not that you and I have a a fun time talking about like one of the most horrific things that's ever happened in our state. uh, No, but it was a weird, it was a weird like joke for us in the very beginning. And then we carried it through. And now this is a weird moment of like full circle for me. That's really cool. Yeah. 
So I, I kind of wanted to bring some some nice actual professional closure to this if uh, people got a bad taste in their mouth from hearing us actually talk about Columbine. Right on. <laughs> um, with that said, you want to jump into some pros, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Other than yours just right there because that was great, dude. Um, it's huge, man. Um, I like, apparently I have a fix-it opportunity. I don't remember what that was. Oh, the, the trampoline. They just want to fix something. I think that was cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. That trampoline scene. I really, really like that trampoline scene. And as I just blurted out, Life in a Northern Town by Dream Academy has been on my, literally the only thing I've listened to in the last, like, couple days. I've just had it on repeat on Spotify. But I, damn, I dig that episode. Or that song. Yeah. Um... Peggy is great in this episode. This We just had a really good Peggy as, like, character episode, but now we get to have Peggy as, like, the, the, the like, reassuring, the reassuring role of Peggy, if that makes any sense at all. But, like, right. this is where, this is the other half of Peggy. We don't always get to see that, like, nurturing side, and it's really good for her in that sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, Buckley going, Jesus said it, not me. <laughs> You said it a little bit nicer. <laughs> you said you suck. Um, that was great. Brittany Murphy slash Luana the car scene is great when she's freaking out. I really like that whole bit. Yeah. Right before she it's wrecks. very real. Yeah. But, like, god damn, dude, Brittany Murphy kills it with that. Like, again, Brittany Murphy killing it once again. Um. Apparently I have letter hosing. I don't know what that is. But that was a pro. Letter hosing. I don't know. Oh, and um, uh, when Hank brings up his letter from Buckley to everybody else, and um, then they go, "Wait a minute, that's not his writing," and he hoses him down. Yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, that that was it. Thank you. <laughs> God damn it, Johnny. I fucking love you, dude. You're the best for this shit. Like, I love how we can do this to each other. Letter hosing. <laughs> I know what that is. It's fucking wonderful. This is what the people are here for. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, that that's great. That whole deal is great. And then he just shoots him with the hose. Um, and then and finally, Bill gets it twice. Bill gets it twice. That's great. And then finally, Khan's post-credit scene. I love that a lot. I think it's a really great little bit. Oh, when yeah. When he goes and, like, yeah, praise to Buckley. Yeah. Um, How about you, buddy? Um, So I've, I've got a couple in here. And we've actually touched on a few of them already. Uh, I have a pro in here that Sharona Johnson and the rest of the beauty school girls are such bitches. Because Mm -hmm. it is a really big motivator. Sharona Johnson's never been nice to Luann except for the one time that she's like, sorry that your hair got blown off and your boyfriend got blown up. We made you a wig. Yeah. Like, other than that, Sharona Johnson has never been nice to her. Kremser has never really been nice to her at all. Now, I I want to I am going to say that they are bitchy. Now, it does have its reasons. You are absolutely validated with that. But there is nicer ways to go about it by saying, you're really not going to pass this test, so please stop wasting your money here. Do you think it's a don't waste your money? I really do. I think that, like, that's why Kremser keeps talking to her about her tuition. Yeah. It's like, I know you're not going to pass this, and you know you're not going to pass this. At least so I, like, why are I you guess if nothing else, this? she gave her back the money. Yeah, she did. She did. But I just think there is nicer ways to do that. That's why Kremser is being a bitch. Um, I love that the guys win twice by by getting to Mo Khan's lawn for like two months. Yeah, I thought that was a funny little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but we already talked about that a little bit. 
Um, did you catch the uh, callback to the pilot, Mark? Which one? Um, so at one point, Hank is talking about... Oh, hold on. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> My phone is fucking going off. I don't know who it is, so oh. they're going to the... Yeah. Is it Lord, so Lord fucking, Robo again? God, I hope it's not Boo Boo. Boo Boo. Lauren Boobert. Um, okay, so the callback to the pilot is Hank is talking about Buckley at one point, and he says specifically, you know, he couldn't, he was so dumb, he couldn't find a hammer in the Megalomart. Mm-hmm. And it's directly him going, I'm looking for a hammer. Could you tell me where a hammer is? Okay, okay, yeah. And I went, holy shit, that's a callback. He wasn't much of a person. Right? And then the other one I have in here is, it's it's a very good episode for processing grief that I feel like we just don't get to see anymore. Not in an animated medium, really. You don't get that anymore. I don't... No, you don't get to feel anything. And that's with any TV. I don't think you like feel anything. I think it's fart joke, fart joke, cut away. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not not exactly sure. Like, okay, how how do you want to play this now when somebody dies on a TV show? How can you actually spend a whole episode where somebody actually goes through the process of grief? Um I don't know. There's a lot of TV out there. Maybe they are addressing this and I'm just not seeing it. I tried watching uh, an episode of that series, uh, Euphoria, on HBO, and I went one episode in and went, holy shit, this is way too heavy for me right now, and backed the (laughs) fuck out. But you don't... I don't know. I mean, I think you have episodes where a person will die, and they process that bit after the person has died. But so we started season three with Death of a Propane Salesman with Buckley dying. So, right. like, this has been some time. This has been... And even if we, like, bitch about, like, the continuity of animation with Luann's hair and stuff, it doesn't matter how you shake it out. There has been a marked passage of time for poor Luann, or for Luann within this deal. And yeah. she hasn't really gotten to deal with it, you know? Absolutely. But you so get... I, it's weird. That, again, this one is a weird, like, chess game where it doesn't pay off in the beginning... But if you watched it from then, you kind of get a little bit better. I don't. It's kind of a neat little bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like I, like I was saying at the beginning of this, this is Luann's big episode for the rest of the season because you know if they're not coming back, this is a good one to end with. Okay, you saw actual character growth from the beginning of the second season to the end of the second season. Yeah. So and, and I, I found I it a huge pro. Was like if they didn't know they were going to get renewed yet or not. Right. So much of this is Brittany Murphy. It's very dependent upon how she plays this role because she's very real and she's very honest and makes it very believable. Like, look, you were just you were an asshole to me when we were dating. You were just like this. Why are you still doing this? I'm trying to get over you. I'm trying to stop mourning you. Yeah. And she makes it sound so real. You know, you just want to have that one extra conversation with somebody that you don't get a chance to talk to anymore. Yeah. So, I I found it is a huge pro, man. Um, and you're gonna have to give me some of your cons because I couldn't think I couldn't find one in this episode. Um. Well, that's from the baseball episode, so definitely not that one. Um. Oh, here. So I have this one. Female Hank parentheses send pick. I'm gonna send this to you right now, Johnny. I noticed this. 
What if Sharona Johnson's friends is literally just Lady... It's just Feminine Hank, and it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> okay. So you'll get that in a second here. Oh my god. <laughs> that is straight up Feminized Hank. Feminized Hank. It was a weird thing for me, and like we bitch about recycling characters and animation, but goddamn, that one's almost egregious. And then This looks that, like... What's up? I was going to say, this lady, the way that they have modeled her, she looks like the uh, don't take the brown herbal ecstasy girl from Order of the Straight Arrow. Oh, wow, she does. Yeah. But she also very much looked like Hank. She also has Peggy glasses and Tammy the hooker hair. This is a weird, like... She does. Cut and paste, create a character. Maybe maybe this is an original character. Hell no. Who knows? I don't know. Um, and after that, the only note that I really have is, goddamn, Sharona Johnson is a cow. But then I get to thinking about it and like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're the best one there. You get to be a bitch. That We learned that in season you one do. of The Witcher with Yennefer and everything else. That's yeah, fine. Whatever. Who cares? You're the yeah, best. Sharona Johnson, head. I mean, she's the one that cares enough to know about henna treatments and how they interact with permanence. So she's done I her get, fucking homework. I guess my problem is, is that she did her fucking homework for Beauty Academy. Get off your high horse <laughs> and best you're on a high turtle. Go play in traffic. Anyway, Basically, no, I... Well, I really don't have cons for this one. Yeah, like, this is a really good episode. And it's weird it to me because I didn't want to watch this one. I remember hating this one so much. And then I watched it and I was, like, sitting on my couch, like, kind of almost crying to fucking Dream Academy. But, yeah, uh-huh. like, goddamn. So I, I want to say, Mark, that you're looking at this through a new lens because I have officially turned you around on Luann. Like, there's a lot of episodes that are Luann-centric now that you're like, I didn't want to watch this. But now I really like it. And I'm like, thank God. This is this is the conversation you know I've been having, you and I have been having for years. Yeah. Is that you have to get over shitty last couple of seasons, Luann, to understand how great she was. This is it's insane to me, dude. Like my head was blown twice just this week in this, and like it's been blowing. You can go back and listen to my head like I am totally flipping the script on my hatred of Luann. <laughs> it's yeah. It's such a and not it's 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 a weird feeling and I don't know how to feel about it other than I guess good and positive but yeah dude goddamn right. I love this I not love love is a strong word for this one I love Luann but to a lesser extent yeah yeah like goddamn man yeah awesome well with that being said uh, let's give this guy a rating man can I have some favorite moments before you do that though um yeah absolutely i'm i'm totally jumping forward and actually i've got one retro reference rage that you may have to explain to me because i have never heard of this band before okay who in the hell is color me bad no clue (laughs) and why would luann want to go to a concert of them i don't know it sounds like an insert 1990s pop band or like boy band here uh, Color Me Bad is an American contemporary R&B group that was formed in 1985 in Oklahoma City, led by lead singer Brian Adams. Wow, because wow. Oklahoma City is known for its R&B number one featuring Canadian singers. And I know it's not that it's not that Brian Adams, right? I, I'm about to find out. Oh, boy. Here we go. I am about to find out. See, Johnny, this is a really good, like, chess episode for you and I, because we've been establishing this shit and laying it down for, like, 25-something episodes now, but listeners only appreciate it if they've been listening this far, like... Right? <laughs> uh, I really don't think that there, there's no way that this is that Brian Adams. Because I... he doesn't have his own, um... 
He doesn't have his own Wikipedia. Seriously? Yeah, this Brian Adams does not. I'll be dipped. So, th- I don't think it's that one, but apparently this uh, this group, this one of these guys went on to be a pretty big record producer. Um, oh, let's see here. Solo years. Sam Waters produced records for Jessica Simpson, Celine Dion, Fantasia, Anastasia, Kelly Clarkson, 98 Degrees, Blake Lewis. Do you know yeah. what, do you know what Brian's middle name is? No. It's Brian Guy Adams. And I'm not your buddy, Guy. Well, I'm not your guy, Adams. Are you sure? Is <laughs> because it, are you are you talking about French Brian Adams, right? I looked or, uh, up Canadian. Bri- I looked up Brian with a Y Adams and on his Wikipedia page it is Brian Guy Adams and I <laughs> I bet you he pronounces it Guy. What? I don't care. It's Canadian. And it's, I'm not your Brian guy. I'm not your guy, Adams. Like. <laughs> okay, Mark, give me a favorite moment, man. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, here we go. Um, boom, how we're praying. I thought that was great. Yep. And then finally, education is the sleeping pill that makes dreams happen. Peggy Hill. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real quote or not, but goddamn, that's a good quote. I don't fucking care who you are. That's a solid quote. It really is. How about you, buddy? I have one. I, I only have one very specific one in here, and it's because I just I giggled myself when I heard it. Um, can you please melt Sharona Johnson's face, Buckley's angel? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, oh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh so hard. That's great. Okay, Mark, let's give this bad boy a rating. Yeah, uh, take her away, buddy. Uh, so I gave Wings of the Dope a Char King. Okay. I gave it a Char King. The only bad thing about this episode is it's very dependent on knowing the characters already. Yeah. Um, otherwise, a lot is lost. Like you said, it's a chess It's a chess episode. Um, if you don't know that, like, if you don't know how Buckley used to interact with Luann, then there's a bunch that's lost. If you don't understand, like, even just the, the stinger at the very end with Khan, how much Khan liked Buckley, you, it gets lost. Um, yeah. If you don't understand just how faithful Luann is, it seems kind of preachy. But from what we know about Luann, this is actually not that bad. Yeah. So, this is uh, very in step with her, too. Like, yeah. it's a very believable Luann. You know what I mean? It absolutely is, but you have to kind of know her already in order to get the full impact of it. So that's yeah, why totally, it's not a blue totally. flame for me because I really could not find any cons. And damn, is it a good episode? It was almost a—I mean, it's it's Char King worthy for sure, and it was almost to the blue flame with me. Yeah. How about you, it, man? So it's crazy. Literally, I gave it Char King too. So we've got an Imperial here, a Char King Imperial, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna read you what I wrote really quick in my notebook because now I'm using full pages of like actual you know 8 by 11 copy instead of you know tiny fucking notepads um god damn it two for two i wasn't excited but damn it it flipped me 100 percent. it was sweet good <laughs> character development luann's amazing context though or it doesn't work and that's where i'm at like this is a great episode but you need that context really badly like otherwise yeah. it's just kind of whatever it's kind of just bleh. but yeah damn this was a great episode of king of the hill like but again, it doesn't right? hit our it doesn't hit our blue flame of you can show this to anybody with zero context, and that's no exactly. If you know these characters, then life in a northern town just hits different. 
Oh god, that's such a good. I'm gonna. I know I like keep threatening <laughs> to like backtrack to shit, but I'm gonna backtrack to Life in a Northern Town if I can steal it off YouTube somehow. Like that's such there a great go, song. Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, man. Well, we're about to get out of here, but I got a very important question for you. Okay. Mark, do you still like King of the Hill? I still really love King of the Hill. Johnny, do you still like King of the Hill? Oh, I love King of the Hill, man. Oh, man. And also, hey, Johnny, guess what? Chicken butt. <laughs> well, that, but their listeners can also find us at danglepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> you can find us at danglepodcast at Twitter. You can find us at danglepodcast on Instagram. That's right. I said it, and now I have to make one happen because I want more hey. downloads because we're almost eclipsing two wizards in terms of growth to this podcast, and that's a weird feeling, and I kind of want us to beat us, and I'm going to cut all that out, but yeah. So there were there are on that. You can find me at Marquis Stardust on Twitter or my other podcast, The Two Wizards Podcast. And Johnny, where can our dear, lovely listeners find you at, sir? Uh, they can find me on Krautball Stream on Twitter. Uh, it is Kraut as in sauerkraut, ball as in Swedish meatball, and stream as in Hulu is a fantastic platform to stream King of the Hill. Ooh, very well done, sir. We should have been plugging that this whole goddamn time. <laughs> That's uh, you know what? Tell Hulu gives us the big bucks. You. you know what? Yeah. That's a free one for them. They get a free one out of us. Hey, it's the best place to legally stream this. If not, just go on to the Pirate Bay, guys. It's worth it's worth the uh, potential DMCA strike you get. Get get that lime wire, guys. Figure it out. <laughs> All Thanks right, we're getting out of here for the everybody. night, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. <laughs>